get you ready for that as it comes up. Second thing is that if you are a musician and interested in leading in any sort of campus worship, whether that is on a chapel team or in Hosanna, you need to fill out an application and put it right back there um, on the credenza. Those are due by Friday, okay? As we prepare our hearts for worship, please pray with me. Lord God, throughout Scripture, you invite us to follow you. Too often we go our own way and forget your call. You remind us that you are the good shepherd and we, the sheep, know your voice. So the reminder this morning is to continue to hear your voice and to follow you, but we need your help, oh God. Teach us this morning. Fill us up. Give us the strength to know how to follow you when you call. In your name we pray. Amen. We continue our series on encountering Christ through the Psalms. And this morning's Psalm, if you aren't already aware, is Psalm 23. Uh, it's probably one of the best known Psalms. Let's uh, look at the verse right here. Let me read this and just listen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. David, who wrote this psalm, was a shepherd. And of all the metaphors and examples that the Bible could have used to describe our relationship with God, sheep and shepherds seems to be kind of the most common, or the one that most comes readily to our mind. First of all, sheep are cute. <laughs> Look at this sheep up here. I mean, whenever I took my daughters to that Spokane County Fair, we'd have to go into that 4-H club world, and my little daughters would go, oh, Dad, we need one of these. I kind of wanted one, too. They're just, oh. Uh, but also, sheep are dumb. And I'm not joking. I'm not a sheep expert, but a little bit. When I grew up in Kenya where uh, the Maasai would uh, herd sheep and goats, they would have to actually put them all together uh, because with, without goats, sheep get killed a lot. Like, goats are smarter than sheep. So the Maasai would actually have them in herds together, in, in little flocks together. I guess it's flocks. So here I am driving in Kenya my first year out in, the, in this place called Olashebor. It's like the beginning of the Maasai Mara where it's like thousands of miles of flatness, like grass flatness. And there's one road, and I'm driving to this village to do a young life club with my family. And I'm, I'm driving along about 20 miles an hour, and I see this herd of goats with a Maasai kind of running around and sheep. And uh, the goats decide to dart in front of me. So they, they dart in front of me, and I go, whoa, and I kind of slow down. And the sheep freaked out. They go, the goats left us. And so I'm kind of driving a little slow, but the, the sheep kept following me, like the car, like we have to, because they're followers. Like I have to go the way the goats went in front of the car. I'm going, let me go by, you can go behind me. 
you know, I'm, I'm driving, and they're just still running and running along with the car. Finally, one of the sheep decides to bolt in front of me, not, not behind me, and I slam my brakes on, and one of the sheep runs into me, right into the side of our truck. Boom! The Mustang goes, and I'm going, I didn't hit it, it hit me, you know? It was unconscious, it was fine. Sheep are dumb. You know, I love this idea. They have to be led. They're followers. In a semi-arid area like Israel, you had to lead sheep up to the grassy places. And sheep also, I love this picture of the shepherd. I mean, when Jesus says in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, everybody understood that. The sheep would know the shepherd's voice. A certain call that would indicate that's the one who's leading me. I love this phrase too. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, if I'm a sheep, i got to understand why he makes me. Like it assumes that I don't want to lie down. Why do shepherds make sheep lie down? Because if they don't lie down sometimes, sheep can eat themselves to death. I don't quite get this. Ask Mike Sardinia. He might know more. But I think sheep have four stomachs. One is called the rumen. And if you eat too much too fast, this little thing, this is kind of gross. Like You can get like filled with gas, like, and you can become like a big hot air balloon, and then you uh, get what's called the bloat, and you can explode or something. Uh, <laughs> so sheep have to be made to lie down. Make. It means you don't want to lie down. Our natural tendency is not to want to lie down. I mean, the very fact that you're in this room here at Whitworth means that you're not just a person who lies down. I mean, the reason you're here at Whitworth is because you are proactive. You're a hard worker. You're ambitious. You're a self-starter. You're willing to take it all on. And yet, I know this because I've talked to several of you. Some of you need to desperately be told to lay down. My dad grew up in the military and I have these fond memories of working with him on a Saturday afternoon and then especially when we were building our house. When I was a young boy, he would, I would often get distracted and he would say, what are you doing? I go, ah. He go, don't just stand there, do something. I go, okay. You know, it sounds familiar, right? I, I really believe that God was mostly speaking to me very opposite than the way my dad spoke to me. I think God is whispering in my ear most of the time. Don't just do something, Ken. Stand there. And better yet, lay down right here. I know there's all this good grass. I know there's all these things to do, people to meet. I know, you know, this RA, you know, things happening and who and CMC interviews and, you know, you know, the young life and intramurals and Hosanna and Awake and all these myriad of things, activities. Your friends are going to Froyo and Facebook and Instagram. I know there's, but maybe God is saying to you, lay down beside this, this quiet water. Quit eating because your life is like a raging river. And you need to stop. I mean, this is the great question, right? When was the last time you just lay down in God's field for a long time and just meditated on him? We get going so fast. The shepherd had to be careful where his sheep would lie down. 
He has to make them lie down in certain places because where sheep lie down can be a matter of life and death. And in my pride as a sheep, I might say, oh, you can't make me lie down. You know, I'll lie down where I want to lie down, when I want to lie down, where I want to lie down. You can't make me. Uh, about 15 years ago, these were really popular. Um, I don't know if you ever... These were um, <laughs> big in young life and youth ministry where you would have a church overnight, particularly with middle school kids, and you would rent these sumo wrestling suits. Have you ever done these? Raise your hand if you've ever done these. Okay, it's amazing you don't still have staph infection because... Uh, you would sweat profusely in these things, and, uh, but it was incredible to get in these suits and go at it. The worst part is when you fell. Uh, it's, it's my worst nightmare. It's like that bad dream you have where the monster's coming and you can't run. I hate that feeling because when you fall in these sumo suits, you cannot get up. Now, sheep have a lot of wool on them. You can get rid of that picture. Uh, it's distracting. Uh, if sheep have a lot of wool and the ground is at an angle or soft, a sheep can actually roll onto their back and they can't get up. It's called being cast. It's called a cast sheep. Uh, I mean, we actually, this is really true. Um, now, we, we, we can go, oh, but seriously, within, we know this, that when they're cast like this with the wool and... Uh, they, they, they are stranded, and they can actually die in several hours. So uh, Maasai boys, where we, we were in Kenya, were told to look where the vultures were circling, and if it was close enough, they could run. And I've seen this played out with a young Maasai herder who would run over to the sheep, and their blood runs out of their legs, and they're just, and really, and they would roll them over and straddle them and pull them to their feet and gently rub their legs and just talk to them to try to get their them walking again. A, a really tender scene. You know, priests in the Old Testament were forbidden to wear wool when they entered into the Holy of Holies. Because wool spoke of self-adornment and pride. You know, don't tell me where to lay down. You know, uh, wool was a symbol of cover-up. We even say today, oh, yeah. yeah, he pulled the wool over your eyes. You know, as if there was something you saw on the outside really wasn't true on the inside. He pulled the wool over your eyes. So when wool gets to a certain point, the good shepherd has to shear it, has to cut it away. All that beautiful good wool can cover up skin disease, infections, little lacerations or cuts. Wool can act sort of like a cover-up for what's really going on. All that beautiful wool can actually kill you. You can become cast, and you can't get up. Shearing a sheep was like providing a new start, like a sort of rebirth almost, uh, like a baptism. <laughs> and, and many of us at a, at a Christian university like Whitworth can look so good laying there in the grass with your beautiful wool coat. But the truth is, you're cast. You're not sure you can get up and pull off another week. Finals. You're just wondering if you can make it to spring break. You're tired of pulling the wool over people's eyes. I just want you to know, you can trust the good shepherd. 
He's with you. He gently can pull you up and talk to you. He loves you. Do you trust the good shepherd? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The tools of a shepherd, a rod and a staff. Now, the rod wasn't something you used to keep the sheep in line. You didn't go, hey. No, I mean, really, sheep's skin is really, really tender and really, really prone to uh, laceration and, and, and infection. You don't treat a sheep like you do a pig, like, get out of there, you know, hey, you little pig. You know, no, I mean, it was a rod was used to protect the sheep. And, and, a, and a staff with a little crook. I mean, the crook in that staff was ultimately used to, to take a little lamb who was new, newly born and to gently pull it over towards its mother. Because la, la, sheep are kind of finicky this way. Sometimes a human hand touching it, the, 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 the mother would reject the little lamb. So they would use the crook to bring that little lamb over to, or, or to help in a precarious situation gently pull a, a, a lamb to, to, to rescue. You know, I am so glad that David was born in the Middle East. Because in the West, it's a little hard for us to understand the shepherd thing because in America, we don't do shepherds and sheep. We do cowboys and cattle. The Lord is my cowboy. I mean, seriously, there were some issues in, in America about ranchers and, and shepherds. I mean, we, we, they didn't last very long. I mean, there was some big issues. You know, shepherds in America, come on. Leading sheep, walking all day, you know, are you kidding me? That's so time intensive. We got things to do. We're efficient. We got America going on here, you know. Uh, you know, you can't whip them into shape. You can't brand them because they have sensitive skin. Ooh, they might you need some sunscreen or something, you know, ooh. You know, cowboys, they drive the cattle. They're up on a horse way above the sheep and the cows. I mean, that's cowboy God. You know, uh, you know cowboys don't tend to flock at night. <laughs> no, they leave the cows in the open range, and they go into the saloon and gamble and drink. Yeah, cowboys, you know, they don't lead you to quiet water. No, cowboys make you swim through raging rivers, and then they rope you, throw you down, and brand you. Sorry for the uh, cowboy accent there. Uh, <laughs> if David was born in America, Psalm 23 might read very different. My cowboy accent. Lord is my cowboy. I shall be a little bit afraid. <laughs> he makes me walk forever and pushes me through raging waters that I could possibly drown in. He's constantly cracking the whip and driving me to get in line with the other cattle. And if I get too afraid and I want to run, he chases me and he ropes me and violently throws me down to the ground and makes me get back in line with the other cattle like all the other good Christian cattle. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Oh, no, it's the wrath of God that I'm afraid of. <laughs> My friend was a part of a big church in Seattle. And this church, I think, leaned towards the cowboy view of God. They had a full-time pastor at this big church, a pastor of church discipline. It was his full-time job to keep Christians in line. 
my friend got actually excommunicated from his church because he asked some questions and uh, didn't think that maybe whips and guns and pastors on white horses was the best way to run a church. I just want you to know there's a big difference between cowboy God and shepherd God. There's a big difference between cowboy care and shepherd care. You know what I mean? Like, the Lord is my cowboy God comes at you like this. Hey. The Lord is my shepherd God comes at you like this. Hey. There's a big difference between hey and hey. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus used this image of sheep in Luke 15, and I'll close with this. Our worship team, you can come. In Luke 15, Jesus described a shepherd and this picture of sheep to describe God once again. Here it is in Luke 15. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And he calls his friends and neighbors together and he says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I mean, here God is pictured as a shepherd again. But this shepherd's crazy. I mean, when Jesus told this parable, everybody will laugh because no shepherd in his right mind would leave 99 sheep in the open country, like where you could be attacked by wolves 360 degrees and go find one stupid sheep. But this is a picture of the relentless, crazy love of God. He's fanatical. He's obsessed about those who lose their way. It's ridiculous what God will go through to find you. You anoint my head with oil. That's how the whole psalm ends. To anoint with oil is a sign of blessing, a symbol of God's presence. Priests were anointed with oil. When God looks at you, he doesn't look at a dumb sheep. He looks at royalty. When the good shepherd sees you, he sees royalty. And I believe if you actually believed it, your world would be different. With the Lord as your shepherd, what more could you want? Amen. And yeah, he was lost. And back in 1976, I found him. Whew. This is worth celebrating. DJ, give us a beat. Let's party! Go in peace.